I'm going to freaking lose it if I kill that deer. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, man. We're going to find his sheds in 20 days. I hope so. That would be so cool. I'll bet. We're going to have to forge the river. We need to get across that river. Oregon Trail style. I need to see what's over there. Back to the Hunter Podcast, episode seven. Uh, we're into March now, man. I mean, checking them off one the by second, one. Second worst month of the the whole year, in my opinion. I feel like we're just in a. <laughs> it's a weird funk at this point. I hate March, man. The only month I hate more than March is February. So we're we're trending in the right direction. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, up, up out of the pit of uh, winter. Despair. It is. It is out of the pit. I mean. The only thing that we have somewhat on the horizon that's that's you know meaningful to us is shed hunting, you know. Mm-hmm. But even by this time, I think we've spent at least some days in the field looking for sheds. Weston has. I've spent none. Found a, Zero. Yeah, me either. <laughs> you know, as, as we're figuring out uh, what, what to talk about today, we're like, so man, it'd be nice to have uh, some time in the woods to kind of recap or you know discuss or something. I haven't been in the woods and. No. A month and a half, I don't no. think. No. I, I mean, the snow's finally going away here. That's going to help a little bit with sheds. Um, One thing I have to look forward to is I, I moved uh, just a handful of cameras around on that on the family farm like three three weeks ago. It was when we were in the, the beginning days of that really cold snap. Mm-hmm. I went out and moved a couple stealth cams around, and mm-hmm. I got a couple uh, a little bit more corn out. And I have some brassica plots that are getting crushed. Just hammered. Hammered. In fact, I bumped a couple two and three year old box, I think off of, you remember where, um, where I saw the, the resident bedded on that. It was actually right under the tree stand where I killed the Spaniard a couple of years ago. Yeah. What happens is in the winter, it's kind of cool how this thing sets up. They, they tend to bed down at that point mm-hmm. where I'm hunting it typically during the rut as like a, it's a hog back or a yeah, hog back as a, yeah. Or, um, just a ridge basically. But because of where it's at, these deer are bedding out at the end of it. Winds coming down over the top of them, and they're dropping down into this bottom and coming up to where I've got this brassica plot. It's like mm-hmm. perfect. So I moved one of those cameras over there and see what comes so, through. So yeah, hopefully I can get up there, you know, soon and, and check what some of those cameras are and find some sheds. But I think that kind of leads into the the conversation. Let's call it, you know, um, a recap on the 2020 season. You know, I think we're far enough into 2021 now that we're at least on the horizon to looking forward to what this season's going to bring, you know, food plots. Um, we're heading out to Illinois and Kansas in a few weeks. Yeah. Can't wait for um, that. Which, how far out are we? couple. Uh, we should be there now, but we've got <laughs> stuff going on. 20, 20 days. I think 20 days. Yeah, just under a month. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll go step foot on some new leases that we haven't been on yet, which is exciting. Good in news, Illinois. at least almost everything will have been shut out by then. So. Uh, yeah, I am still seeing quite a few holdings, surprisingly, yeah. but by I then, for sure. Um, and did you see that? That I was talking to Weston this morning, and he pulled that shed out that he found last night. That thing's bigger than I thought. It's a monster. It's probably 20, it's probably 23 plus inch beams. Jeez. And had that, it's probably a three-year-old, That non-typical actually. kicker yeah. on there. It's a big buck. Public land, Indiana. We talked about it last week. Yeah, he found a he found a cool spot out there, man. He's in a he's a good area, few and far between, you know. And you're gonna work for him, but if you find one and you know, you don't put pressure on it, it's gonna stay good for sure. So, I'll be interested to see how that develops. Um, obviously, we've got some land there. He's got a lease now in Kentucky, uh, not too far from there. Be interesting to see how he manages his time. New baby on the way as well. Mm. So, um, you know, whether he knows it or not, his 
his hunting season is dwindling oh, I, I already. Think he knows it, but <laughs> whether well, he's accepted or not, yeah, yet, who knows? Well, I think this week, you know, um, we're far enough along in 2021 that we're looking forward to this new season. Um, but you can't help but reflect on 2020 and kind of lessons learned and and things that we did right, things that we did wrong. Um, I'd have to say that you know, you and I started off with a bang, man. We came out of the gates hard. Speaking of like the closure and coming to the <laughs> I got a. I got an email this morning or last night. You probably got the same one from the Kansas Department of Wildlife saying April 1st. Yeah, it's, it's over. April 1, man. Yeah, you officially yep. lost. Yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't lose. Roll them up. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Roll them up. You know, oh, you still have the a tag. Finals, yeah. The final sip of tag soup. Yeah. Tough shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. April 1, though, new blood. Yeah. Well, and hopefully. It is cool this time of year because this is when a bunch of the state's preference points and stuff are starting to open up. So yeah. at least it's like, man, even if I can't get into the field, at least I can kind of start to to think about or, or daydream kind of about it and start putting in for some of these preference points. It we put a, in for Wyoming yeah. the other day. Yeah. Colorado's open right now. Utah. Montana's open. I put in for Utah the other day. Kansas is coming down the line here in April. Nodak. Nodak will also be in April, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's fun to start, um, you know. Well, that's it, man. I mean, we're at that point in the year where it's <clears throat> the the light is starting to peak back up over the eastern horizon, and that we can see the seasons coming. Right, and it's still pretty far, but we can see it. But but we still have to close out what we what we went through in 2020. And I mean, you know, ultimately, I you know, so let's start. And I think it was our first podcast that we ever did. You know, we came out swinging. You know, Labor Day weekend. You know, muleys, public land, Nodak, you know, two days, day and a half of hunting. Yeah. And we're we're tagged out and rolling. Well, that was awesome because I well, want to say that started probably about this time, if not even a little earlier the year before. Because you remember it was what, March or April. Yeah, you remember what got us excited for that was um, was at uh, SHOT Show. At ATA. I thought it was SHOT Show when we met and talked to Ben. It was ATA. Yeah. At ATA. Yeah, he was hanging out in our booth and kind of, he's like, oh man, because Ben's from, yeah, from North Dakota. And so he started, you know, getting us excited. He's like, oh, there's buck over every corner, you know? And so we were like, dude, we're coming. Like, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> and Like uh, now? Now? Yeah. He, we weren't sure of the, the draw process or whatever. So we did some research on the way home mm-hmm. and everything that we found led us to believe it was going to be a several year, you know, putting in for preference points before anything could happen. Um yeah, and that was my first real, I mean, given I've been putting in for Kansas for several years and knock on wood, I've been drawn, you know, that was my first one where I anticipated I was going to get preference points, you know, and not hunt for several years, mm-hmm. you know, at least a couple. Yeah. And it was it was around the, the <clears throat> lockdown of COVID, you know, in March, I think getting into April, is either April or May that we were like sitting around and we both got an email from North Dakota game and fish. And was like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you got drawn. And we're like, what? Like that doesn't like, what is this? Yeah. And so there's, there's this initial stages and we picked up a few more. Like I think once we broke that seal, we're like, well, let's start. There's other opportunities out there. So let's just start putting in for some. And like, I don't actually know where we're at. Right. At some point we need to put together a spreadsheet or something to say I've put in for, I'm sure there's some that I'm like, oh, yeah, I put in for that preference point last year. Like, and, I mean, there's a lot of those places that, you know, it, it'll take four four to six years, yeah. you know, for your drawing. I mean, I, I know what? We've been putting, what do we got coming up here? Third? Three. Yeah. We'll be getting our third point. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll be hunting out there in 2023? 20, yep. Probably. Probably. 
good plan. But so I think it seems the way that it goes is like February, March, April, even we're like starting to game plan some of these, you know, putting in for points or what. And at some point, this this cloud will clear and we'll kind of um, get our feet back beneath us and really start game planning for some of those hunts, which well, is let, a lot of fun. And let's be clear to a lot of people listening to this thing: we're not out there throwing around thousands of dollars. Like, hey, let's put in points here, here. Like, I think Utah's were like fifteen bucks. Right, so I think it was like seventy-two bucks for the license, and for then mule it's fifteen deer bucks for each permit. and elk. Yeah, so I mean, you're talking about a hundred bucks, you know. And and I'm kind of the mindset like I'm, you know, that license fee is going to help conservation. That's a that's a good way to to put some money to use. But I mean, you know, you're building points over time. <laughs> I can't think of anything better to spend. I money can't on. think of anything <laughs> better than that. Uh, it's it's a you know, I'm helping the wildlife. Montana's is expensive, man. I think for elk, you put, I think it's like 1200 bucks up front. Yeah, that's a lot. And then they mail you back a check when you don't draw, which you're not going to draw for, I think it's mm-hmm. four to six years. Well, Kansas is like that. What our Kansas license, I think, is over $500, you know, and. Yeah, well, and that one's almost, uh, it's uh, like a whatever, 70, 80% chance you're going to get drawn, especially mm-hmm. as a group, which, mm-hmm. which has been working out what for us. What we've been doing. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that it, we kind of can start to see things taking shape. You know, we've got new leases this year, um, you know, but for me, kind of the start and the end is shed season, right? Because I can put a closure to deer that I haven't seen since gun season. I can put a closure to deer that I haven't got my hands on. I haven't seen anything close to them appear, can't find their sheds. Like, I got to assume, like, that thing got killed, you know, but also I start to find, you know, like Weston did, a solid three-year-old that next year at four is going to be a toad. Yeah. And that's exciting, right? That starts to pull you forward towards that next season. It can be really exciting. I think a lot of guys kind of tune out after, um, you know, even like early December type of stuff. Holidays kind of come around and then, you know, the excitement of running trail cameras and stuff has kind of died off. Mm-hmm. You kind of think what's there is there. And I've I've found sheds off of deer that I'm like, holy cow, I never even knew this deer was on the property. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that will mark the start of, you know, history with a deer that shows up earlier the following year. And Mm -hmm. it's like, man, I'm glad I went out and found those sheds. And, yeah, you know, it it creates a really cool connection to to the deer that we're hunting. I mean, I think the the best kind of closure and opener of a shed season for me is just boots on the ground for miles. And the, the amount of coverage that you can do on a piece of property or a section of property and the sign that you see, because I mean, keep in mind, like it's not green up, like we're still in the bare bones of, of what that timber or that field edge looks like. And so all of a sudden we're picking up all of the sign, we're finding big rubs, we're fininding old scrapes. Well, all the sign looks so great that time of year, like, oh, look at this trail, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely obliterated. You know, oh, there's a rub, <laughs> oh, there's a walk down at one time and it's like, that's a heavy trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that's the kind of stuff that you're looking for because, you know, come back in July or August and that thing doesn't look anything like it does right now. Sure. Um, and so again, it's, it's, it's crazy cause we're trying to close out the season, but at the same time, it is the first step into the door of the new season, you know, and hopefully you find something, you know, whether it's a spot, a big rub, a shed, you know, that ultimately is, is that pole vault forward to it's like, all right, you know, I'm ready for 2021 here now at this point. Um, I think to, like in, in addition to finding sheds, which obviously is the reason that we're out there and, and checking out sign and stuff, I just think the more time you can spend um, in the woods, the more familiar you get with it. And mm-hmm. you can kind of log stuff in your mind as far as, um, you know, even access to, to tree stands and sure um, how you're going to navigate the property. It's just like, you know, deer are living out there 24 seven. And it's like, there's, there's a reason they can navigate that thing in the dark or, you know, just so well, they can elude you for so many years, mm-hmm. even in a small block of, 
September or whatever it is that you're hunting. And, and the more time that you can spend out there, especially during times of the seasons, that's not really affecting your hunting season, like, you know, shed hunting. Um, I think you can, you can gain that edge as well. You know, obviously not to the level that they have, but more than you've got if you didn't do it. Well, and let's be transparent too. I mean, unless we're in some of these big mid Midwestern type states on big property, you know, it's a needle in a haystack around here. I mean, I can tell you that I've probably found three, maybe four sheds in the last five or six years in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, depending where you're at, man, there's, I think there really is a, a method to it. Like if you're, if you're hunting an area that, um, I've seen it on my farm where all of the, the crops get picked and it's a heavy snow season. But if I've got um, a late season food source that they're hitting throughout mm-hmm. January, February, even in, into March, all of those sheds are all there. Sheds like, are yeah, from, from there. the surrounding properties even mm-hmm. will pull deer in. And that, that's where all your sheds are at. That or yeah. a, um, if you've got really good thermal bedding, yep. if you've got a big pine thicket or, or somewhere just that deer are spending a lot of time yep. that time of year, that's that's all it is. Well, and I mean, that's what I think is the, the hard part when you start to look at some of these, you know, call it big woods like we talked about last week. You know, ultimately I can be all through those big woods and I mean... That, you know, there's so many different trails. There's so many different bedding areas, you know, that, that deer. Oh, look, we're not around. even going to shed hunt in Kentucky. It's just not worth it. No. And I mean, we know that there's sheds on the ground. I mean, there's several bucks there that have definitely dropped, but yeah, I mean, you're not, yeah. you know, needle in the haystack at that point, you know, and same here. Like I'll probably spend a solid day or two, you know, up on the property on the mountain, mainly looking for the buck that I've been hunting the last four or five years. You know, I haven't seen them since rifle season, mm-hmm. you know, but that also that deer also was 165 plus inches and around here he got killed legally we would hear about him um so i don't know it drives me crazy though and and it's and it's it's one of those things that i know instantly when i go out there let's you know take note here ian i'm not going to find this deer right i'm not going to find these sheds i'm gonna be like yeah that deer's dead but i'll put a camera in the same spot that i do every summer and there's a good chance that he'll come and hit that mineral lick um, he's done it every year for the last four years and, you know, maybe, you know, I have to stay optimistic, you know, cause if not, then, then what for, yeah. you know, what do you go out and spend hours f- planting food plots and running cameras and, you know, doing TSI work? I mean, Dude, you gotta not, get the, you gotta get a freaking food plot in there that will grow. That's what's going to kill that deer <laughs> if he's not dead. You know, the hard yeah. part about that. And I mean, anybody that hunts big woods and mountains, you can you watch. I did. You like that? Yeah, that's sharp. Huh? Wow, I just noticed that. Uh, this thing has uh, some some insane what battery. What? Is that the thing that came in that like giant yeah. box the other day? It's called a Koros watch. So huh. it's like for long distance running and ultra running. But I've I've it's been, almost bigger than my watch. Not quite, but it's I've big. been wearing this watch for um, <laughs> seven days straight, no charging, and I still have seventy four percent battery on it. Is that like a smartwatch? Like just read your text and stuff? Yeah, smartwatch. It's for running? Workout. Mm-hmm. What's it what's the what's the main uh, advantage of that watch? Does GPS and stuff like that. So when you're out of signal, you know, it's still tracking you and everything. Sweet. I'll bring up I some like uh we'll we'll look at some results in twenty days when we're putting on the miles in Kansas, right? Maybe tracking mileage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Integrate with Onyx? Maybe. Maybe. I'm sure it doesn't. That would be pretty cool though. I can't show Weston any of my spots though. Um doesn't he use your account? Yes. You both do. I, I know I do. <laughs> well, that's do. what I'm saying. Is like I was just thinking he's marking all these spots. It's like, uh-huh. gotcha. I know where you're at. The key, Ian, is <laughs> which which color of tree stands is actually the right spot. They will never know. <laughs> They're like, Weston's freaking out. He's like, it's yellow, it's purple, it's blue. I don't know which one. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but we'll 
Yeah, you guys. Do. Anyways, what were you saying about this food plot? Your watch. Is oh, my food. Me. It's a very well, nice watch. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's called Mountain Hunter. What is the color? Oh, that was sick. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they just don't grow, and it's <clears> it's two <throat> things. Number one, it's old strip mine ground, right? So it's shit. You know, soils garbage. You know, there's no there's no organic matter in it. It's not like it's farmable ground. You know, it's old strip mine. You've been ground. trying to figure out how to like coordinate with uh, the groundskeeper out there too, right? Yeah, and we do a lot Your of timing. Work. I mean, been we kind of off with spraying. Yeah, I mean, we plant nugget. You know, any given year, I'll plant eight to ten acres of food plot. It's a thousand acres. You know, so it's a lot. You're eight it, to ten acres up there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Every year, you know, and the, and what's happening is is two things. Number one, and you and I both have experienced this. Like, I'll get seed in the ground. Get a rain, comes up, hit a drought, burns it out. Yeah. You know, and it, that's been the story Especially of our fall. lives. Yeah, the last Holy two cow, falls man. have been due. We're, we're due for a good... Uh, We've had one. It was the year that... Um, the year after I killed that deer. So the year that I killed that big mountain buck we talked about a couple podcasts ago. That was 2018. It was perfect. I had 18. I had brassica yeah. that was yeah. three foot yeah. tall. Because 19 and 20 bulbs. have both been droughts. Because it droughted up until I yes. killed fuzzy and it droughted the year before because I was real concerned with EHD. Yep. Remember. And so that's always been one. The other thing, and, and this is where, you know, you wouldn't know it because you're in the big woods, right? There's too many deer. You know, ultimately, I mean, we're sitting on, we're sitting on the fact that we've got, God, I don't know, some of those food plots, all 35, 40 deer in them, you know, just pour in. And that, that that's dependent on if it's a good acorn year or not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you have those kind of things happen, you know, you can't do anything. You know, especially if it gets stunted early from a drought, it'll never recover. Deer just hammer it down to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's one thing that we've we've talked about moving food. That deer is a homebody, though. I mean, and so for anyone that's not familiar with it, I've I've hunted this deer. Um, the first year I saw him was the year that I killed that buck. Um, I think he was a two year old that year, but it was a substantial two years. You got two-year-old. some trail cam. You should send Ian some trail cam pictures. Yeah, I'll we'll, send some trail cam we'll, we'll pictures. Pull him up. So I, I saw him, that was 2000 and, um, 2017, 2018, when I killed that big mountain buck, I was actually hunting that deer, which transparently he was a three-year-old, but he was probably 140 inches. Um, Who was the three-year-old? The, the deer I was. This deer we're going to talk about mm-hmm, here. The deer that we were talking about. That was 2018. Okay. 19 as a four-year-old, he probably blew up into the high 140s, low 150s. You were hunting him as a three-year-old? Yes. Did you know that at the time? Yeah. You did? Yeah. I can't remember. His biggest deer on that property at that time. Actually, he was second biggest deer. Scott had killed the biggest deer. That one up on the, had like baseball bat mass on it. Hmm. Um, And then my booner, I was going to kill, end up getting killed down oh, the road. Dude, send him a picture of that too. That's, that's a giant. Yeah. Um, so. This property is ridiculous. So I was 18, 19, he was probably, I'd say he's probably 150s in 19. And then in this year, that deer was every bit of 165. I've got a cool, I've got a cool muddy picture I'll send you, cool. uh, Ian, on that side. Yeah, he's a horse. Yeah, it was just uh, just an absolute monster. I'm telling you, man, I th- if we can get this food plot thing figured out, I think, um, I think he'll be in there a little more than he, than he has been. Especially that other one, man, over where your blind is at. You just um, if you get that planted and get a good good brassica plot in there, I think he'll hang out all November, especially you know, late November. The scariest thing about him this year um, was that it, it, people would be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I get it, man. Like you, 
you hunt so hard and you never see that deer. And I didn't see him in person. I had more trail camera pictures of that deer this year as a five-year-old than I've ever had in my life, you know, hunting this deer. Only one in daylight. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And that was, again, you talk about missed opportunities. You got a lot of pictures of him went just crossing back and forth out of that little bedding area. I knew, He's well, pretty close to the it's road. a 35 or 40 acre clear cut. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is how do you hunt that deer? You know, what do you, how do you get on them? And, but yeah, I had one very <clears throat> definitive um, shot at him. I, I think it was October 26th or 27th, which man, I, you know, I kill all my deer there 24th, 25th usually. So I knew it was close. There was a front coming through. I'm figuring something out here just by talking to that. 25th is a good one, man. October front, 25th. Front was coming through. I think it was the 26th. And I was like, well, you know, next morning, I know where he's at. I'm going in and killing him. And damned if he didn't get on a doe, 5 o'clock, walk right in front of my ground blind. That <laughs> um, make you sick. But, um, you know, I'm going to send you a bunch of pictures of this deer. Um, just at least from from this year. Um, got some stealth and stuff. Yeah, man, here. we've we've done some walking around that property trying to track that deer down. I remember we walked. I don't know what we walked four or five a miles. Lot. Yeah, early October, just because because we lost him there for a while, and um, I think we were just trying to find any sign. We're like, man, he. We're just looking at maps. It's like he either moved, you know, in one of these directions. I mean, we covered or something. We, we covered the whole thing. Didn't find anything. The cool thing is, I'll cover that all here in March. Um looking for sheds, you know, and man, you know, now we're reflecting on this stuff. Most of my deer are dead. Like I had, had a good four-year-old that got killed, which he should have got killed. Actually, they end up finding an arrow in him. So he, I don't know if he would have made it or not anyways. Um, at three. Found an arrow in one of the deer they killed this year? Yeah, one of the big four-year-olds. Wow. In the neck. Where? In the neck. <laughs> right in the jugular. Wow. Crossbow bolt or? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't our guys. There you go. go. Yeah, well, what year is this? This is, this is this year. Yeah. yeah, go to the... Uh, yeah, there you go. That's a four-year-old. That's this year? That's this year. Yeah. And you think he's about five there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a beast. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah, dude, his mass is insane. There's one <laughs> close to the Camry, and um, he just, he's got mass for days, which that's what he... His frame is about the same as it was in, yeah, look, look at that. <laughs> Heavy. Yeah. Tall brows. I mean, he's got it all for sure. Um, is that the spot we moved that camera to that one day we were uh, just, just to the south of that, Ian. But the funny part is this one, so you talk about daylight, uh, October 27th, 5 p.m., front of the ground blind. This is my spot where I thought I was going to kill him. Look at the timestamp. That's daylight. And it's Sunday. Of course it is. Frickin' Sunday. Not the Sunday. Well, Not Pennsylvania opened up some Sundays this year, The right? last Sunday. Of archery? Mm-hmm. That was not. That was the it's gonna be getting first Sunday of November. Huh. When does Pennsylvania shut down? Mid? 15th, 20th, I think, this year. Yeah. So that was the... Well, you see it. November 1st. Like, what white-tailed deer hunter won't be in a tree on November 1st? Any Pennsylvania... Because it was Sunday. When was the last time you saw this year? Oh, 23rd or 24th of November. That doesn't make you feel good, does it? Mm-mm, me either. I tell you what, man. There's a lot of deer that die getting locked up. Do you see Jared found one the other day? Yeah. Well, two. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I the picture I did get of that deer. Um, dude, that's a big deal. Late. He was he was rut worn to hell. He looked like shit. Dude, the rut rut takes a toll on these deer, man. It's it's kind of. I don't know if guys realize like how how brutal it really is, and I mm-hmm. don't know if I did until I sent. So my my dad and I, well, I found it <clears throat> when we um, what was that two years ago? Yeah, something like that. It was um, that was last year. It was like Christmas, man. It's last year. Yeah, yeah, it was last year. Yeah, because it was Irma. Irma. Irma Gersh. Irma Gersh. Irma Gersh and this giant six point I'd never seen before. You know, I'll send you some of these pictures too. There was, um, it was like Christmas or getting close to mm-hmm. it because we were pretty much wrapped up. Dad was still hunting. Um, but I went, I went back out to the farm and I was just moving some cameras around, I think. Yeah. And I went down and I, I was getting pretty close to one of these cameras and I look over and there's this two deer just like standing there. I was like, heck, like I was probably like 50 yards from them at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was on the machine. It's not like I was being quiet. And so I got down there and, and I see these two deer standing there and I can see that they're like locked up, but they're not moving. They're, right. they're just standing there. Oh, that's cause at this point, they know they've been probably locked up for, I don't know, going on a week. Jeez. I would assume they look like, you hell. know, and so think about what that deer looked like at the end of November, mm-hmm. as far as just being beat up from the rut. This is a month later and they've been probably just locked together for a week. Can't eat, can't really drink. It was pretty, it was brutal. It was sad to see. Um, but so I, I called dad, dad he was actually in the blind where I killed fuzzy wuzzy mm-hmm. and trying to stay warm. It was cold. And, um, he came back and we went down together with, I didn't know what we were going to do. I was like, yeah. well, I had the chainsaw. I brought the chainsaw. Well, you wanted to save Irma. The six point. I knew who, who the one was. It was, yeah, it was a really nice three-year-old buck. I had a bunch of pictures of and stuff. The other one, I wasn't sure, but it was like a bigger bigger body, body deer so yeah like, if Irma's three isn't this deer probably mature i yeah. can't tell what he is really right. antler wise it's weird when they get tied together it's just a it's just a mass it's all antlers yeah. to me yeah i don't know so we went back down with um there's footage of this too somewhere and cindy was but it's cindy was with it <laughs> and uh <clears throat> so went down with like the chainsaw tmz stuff dad had his bow and um we were going to try to break these deer apart or at least you know See what we could do. Yeah. So I went down and um, kind of walked up to them, realized that they weren't able to, like, get apart. Mm-hmm. Even us getting close enough wasn't getting them to, like. Isn't amazing, though? I mean, you, you, you look at these deer and you look at the structure of them and you're like, you know, how do they get tangled like that? And, I mean, when they lock up. It's bizarre. It's just angles and pressure points. And, I mean, they're not, it's not coming apart. You're cutting them apart. Yeah. Well, that's what I started first was I was able to get close enough so what we did was, um, this is a dangerous situation. Dad had a tag in his pocket and I could tell they were in really bad shape. It was burning a already. hole through his pocket probably at that point. For sure. <laughs> so I, I told him to shoot the, the bigger bodied of the, of the two deer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who it is, but it's bigger than Irma. He's probably mature. I want I wanted Irma to live. Right. So he shot that deer and it just, it died like instantly. Like he was just he, like dust. Yeah. He did. <laughs> he just, yeah. He just, he, it was, it was tough to, to watch, but he, and so as soon as that deer expired, which I'm telling you was within like a minute of him, yeah. of him shooting it. Um, I kind of, I walked right up to them, you know, and Irma's not moving at this point. He's just standing there yeah. with his head down. It, these deer are clearly like, 
um, near near death. Yeah, not not doing good. And I did everything that I could, short of you know breaking their their breaking his skull. I was trying to. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing too. I mean, I could the, feel it yeah. giving a little bit too, so I, I couldn't get them apart. And so we, I then took the chainsaw to one. Of, Irma's antlers, because mm-hmm. dad, dad already shot this buck. I was like, well, let's keep it intact. I'll cut mm-hmm. one of Irma's antlers off. That's a free mop. Maybe he'll, somebody will deter him from getting shot. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so we hacked off one of Irma's antlers and um, have it. It's at home. And. To break them loose? It, yeah, that, that busted them loose. And then Irma just kind of took five, ten steps and just stood in that creek. Yeah. For, um hours for a while <laughs> yeah so well, well we took dad's buck back and here i'll you know send you some of these pictures we're doing it so we took that buck back and um you know took pictures and stuff and um kind of a weird situation to be taken yeah i mean it, it, you know you can't can't necessarily and, and the unfortunate thing is anytime you harvest an animal you want to be happy about it and stuff but it, it literally was a you know a pity yeah harvest yeah it wasn't you're know, like your typical celebration it's a mercy harvest yeah, there was some some closure there to to dad season, so he got to you know wrap his tag on that deer, and mm-hmm. um, so all the while, um, Irma's still down, standing in the creek, and just not, I mean, not doing good, but good enough. That I'm like, well, it's we got to give him time to see if he's gonna like you know make it. Yeah, here. and I mean, as we've talked before, these deer are freaking resilient, man. Like it it takes a lot to take one down, you know. But obviously, who knows how long these deer have been together, and who who knows how much energy they've expelled even trying to separate after fighting after the peak rut you know their bodies are are worn out at this point mm-hmm. um you know toasted um so yeah i mean that's a hard thing y- you think that you separate those deer and i mean there's you know there's a lot of studies on the captive deer herd side where you know they call it capture myopathy but basically you know when these deer are, are sedated and handled on a captured deer standpoint, whether for research or pen deer, you know whatever you call it, um, you know often doesn't seem like it because you're sedating the animal and stuff. But the the handling and the reversing of the 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 drugging agents and stuff, you know, takes such a toll on these deer that they die. Right? It's it's such extreme stress induced. You know, just from sedating them, handling them, cutting off antlers or whatever, doing research measurements you know, reviving them, um, that they, they die, you know, it stresses them out till they die. You know, it's no different than, you know, if you handle a fish too long out of water, like it stresses out, you release the fish and it kind of goes away and you're like, Oh, fish is fine. Then it's floating, you know, downstream so, an hour later. <clears throat> so we, uh, you can pull those pictures. I sent those to Jeremy and, <clears throat> and, um, so we went back and processed. Here you go. Yep. Yeah. Look at that deer thing is spent isn't that a crazy buck yeah that's just a giant four point that's what that is <laughs> he's just got two big hooks no brow times that's nuts and i had pictures of him the year before that's at least a four-year-old buck there he, oh there he is on God. the hoof that's a four or five-year-old just giant four point that's crazy old pitchfork that's what you don't want that's what you don't want <laughs> as as yeah take note don't want that. Yeah. In fact, it's a cool deer though. You can see on the tip of this brow time where the chainsaw. Had I was going to say, is that the chainsaw? Like, it. Yep. Uh, it is a cool deer though. So, so, oh, so you're missing a finger. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's Irma's sheds and you can see the left one's obviously missing the pedicle. Cause that's where we, we cut it off with the chainsaw. Yep. Um, so end of the story is I had to end up going back down and putting another arrow 
into Irma just to finish. He, he was, he was dead. You know, I just had to, yeah, to finish it and, um, ended up cutting this other antler off and sucks. Bummer. Yeah. Bummer for sure. Are there any other pictures there, Ian? That's, Okay, I don't know if I sent you a picture of Irma, but yeah, it's a bummer, man. He was an awesome three-year-old deer. That pro- that deer probably would have scored 140 some inches. It's <coughs> three-year-old, and and those are the kind of things that you know. And who knows? Maybe that buck that I was hunting on the mountain locked up, and he's laying dead in the creek somewhere. Well, that's where we started with it. Is man, I think that happens more than well. I mean, more the, than the I one thing thought. that that we did a lot of research when I was in school on is that. Um, you know the the call it the ten percent natural mortality in mature bucks that that most hunters don't even think about. Like we always are thinking about deer deer vehicle collisions uh, or other hunters killing the buck. Right? Those yeah, are pretty man. much the only Dude, two deer things. Deer didn't die; they live out to ten ten years old. Exactly. And so what we saw is that you know in a lot of cases those bucks that got to you know four, five, six plus years of age. Um, their testosterone levels up until six, at least, are, are continuing to peak out hardcore. Didn't you shoot a doe one time and you thought it was like 15 years old? Yeah, it was. I mean, I sent the teeth off for 15, is that right? 15 from Missouri on public land. That's crazy. That's older than Ian. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably by that time, it was born before Ian when I shot it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, what year were you born, Ian? 2001. 2001. I killed that deer in uh, 2000. 15, 14 in Kansas. So yeah, I was probably born before you, Ian. As in Missouri. Um, but but one of the things that we saw is that you know these these bucks at the the bigger bucks, the more mature bucks, when they fight, it's more intense, right? And so what happens? You're talking about like you know holding those antlers and filling that give is that that skull plate is it's got growth plates in it, right? So that skull, just like we saw with that big one on the mountain, like that head grows as that deer ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is, is that extreme pressure on those antlers ends up opening up gaps into the, from the skull cap into the brain cavity. Yeah. And so bacteria gets down in there and it causes what we call brain abscesses and that deer dies from that. And so it's, it's, it's something that we've studied more in the South just because there tends to be an older age class of bucks, at least, and more of them in the South, um, Mississippi, really? Alabama, Texas, et cetera, hmm. you know, versus the research and stuff that we're doing in like the Midwest. It's just, there's not enough sample sizes and stuff to take a look at that. But you have to assume that, you know, if you're in Missouri or Iowa or Illinois and there's four and five year old bucks that some of those bucks are fighting so hard that they're basically getting brain abscesses because bacteria is getting into those cracks that open up um, and that those deer are just dying of natural causes. Um, I mean, heck, think about the number of deadheads that we find in in Kansas. With hunting pressure down, I would assume it's not people shooting them, right? It's natural causes that are killing them. Yeah, well, and think about how many deer you see, too, with, like, their eyes gouged out Mm -hmm. and broken noses. Like, these deer are not messing around. Like, they're fighting to the death. And that's where, I mean, I I think in, you know, so even say you're in an area where you've got 10 bucks that are four and older, right? Good chance that four of those every year are dying from natural causes. Is that the statistic? Or you're just guessing? Just guessing. I would say you're probably right at least that. Yeah. At least that. I don't it depends. Who knows? You know, and that, you know, throw into that, not just the brain abscess that maybe covers 10, 15% depends on it. You know, EHD, right. A hoof rot, you know, mm-hmm. in some cases CWD, <clears throat> you know, depending on where you're at. 
A lot like, of things to die for. A lot of things. So, I mean, you know, you're like, man, you know, those three bucks got killed, but I got these other seven left. Well, four of those may also be dead from just natural causes you don't know about. Now you're left with three. <laughs> you know, and so that's the, and again, here's this critical time period that we're in right now where we're out trying to find sheds for some of these deer. But man, it, it, it just is important. I'm still running. I've All my stealth cams are still running right now. You know, and it's just like, I just want a glimpse of a big shed out pedicle buck to be like, okay, maybe that's him, mm-hmm. you know? And you, we've seen, you've got them also running in that area? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Can you dump corn at this point? I don't know. Probably. Well, uh, yeah, With it, but as long as it's out, I think 30 days before turkey season. Does that go against your not supposed to feed... You're no, not now. I mean, in the, in the, like, if you're going to consistently feed them, then I'm not. Like, we talked about that with Jared and Midwest Whitetail the other day. You should probably get on that. Um, probably get up there and dump a little corn. Yeah, I thought about, well, now, it, dude, and it's funny. There, there was 10, 12 inches of snow up there, and I'm talking, my cameras are running full force, desolate. I'm not, not even, not a damn squirrel on camera, right? And then all of a sudden, all that snow melt. We had this big rain come through. No squirrels? There's deer all over the place. Yeah, I didn't have a squirrel on camera. There's deer all over the place now. It. I don't know. Those deer understand how much energy they're going to burn traveling and moving versus I'm just going to stay put and I'm going to wait it out. You get in? Yeah. One, one cool thing about uh, like late season stuff. Hey, Ian, can you shut that door whenever you're up? Um is like <clears throat> it's one of the few times of the year that's like seems like deer do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Especially when it's real cool. When you get those cold snaps, like I was talking to you earlier in the podcast about that spot where I saw these deer bedded mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it, that makes perfect sense while they're doing this. Yep. It seems to be that one of the only times of the year where they're actually forced into a pattern that like we as hunters identify or people like know about. In the summer, you know, that early summer, summer period where summer they're still, well. you know, bed food, bed food, bed food, and that's it. You know, and that's where they're at now. Interesting food, that both food. of those times seem to be correlated with like, uh, lack of pressure. I would say that's a big hunters. factor from it. Huge factor. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, too, if you if you think about it, like, and I'll use it, use my situation here on this deer in the mountain, like, man, I, I thought for sure I was going to kill that deer, or at least get a crack. Uh, you know, the shot's obviously up to me, but I, I had that, I knew exactly where that deer was laying. I was, for a while there, every other night, I was getting pictures of that deer. I mean, I was, I was in his bedroom. There was one time I was uh, in a hawk tree saddle in the middle of that clear cut. You know, hanging off of a, I don't know, a four inch diameter tree. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, this is stupid. Don't snap. Don't snap. Yeah. Don't like snap. the wind would blow and I'm self filming, right? Wind would blow and I'm like, oh, I'm like this. And it, I had one shot at like 12 yards. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, I'm in it. Like if he's here, I'm, you know, banging, I'm rattling. And that damn deer was 150 yards away coming out of the clear cut up towards my ground blind, like right at, right at dusk. And it's like, no doubt he heard me. Like, we were that close. And yeah. I eventually went down in there a couple of weeks later. Um, and, I, I mean, it was just rubbed to hell. Like, that was his that was his core area. But you couldn't get in it. I mean, if he was in there, there was no way. And, in fact, the way I set up my camera strategy, cell cam strategy at one point, is I covered essentially four different areas that I would consider exits from the two core spots that I had seen him in. And sounds, if, sounds like you need somebody else to cover the other side here. 
Dude, that deer was like a Houdini, man. I know. That's crazy. But did you ever find a, a bed in there that you, you felt Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I hunted. Um, the one day I saw him leave, there was a five-acre clear-cut spot. It's like a triangle. And that deer was living in that pretty hardcore. And I came on the, the edge of it, um, on the hardwood side of it, and I knew it was in there. I mean, I, I rattled. You found a stand in there too, right on the hardwood edge? Yeah, right on the hardwood edge, about 100 yards away. But I think that ended up pushing him down towards the property I was hunting more. And, I mean, I rattled. I was I was there. I was set up and just, you know, nothing. And I think what happened is he wasn't in that. He had, he had left and he had kind of moved over to the other side of the property. And so, ultimately, it was this chess game of, like, th- there's 35 acres of clear cut, a five-acre triangle, and then 30 more acres and I'm, I'm playing chess on both sides of them that, you know, there's no way you could strategically pattern this deer in the clear cut itself. There's too many ways that he can move through. There's too many places he could be bedded down. Um, you had to hunt the edges of it. And ultimately, you know, I had two shots at him. I had November or October 27th or 26th um, when he walked probably the first doe in estrus right in front of my food or food plot and ground blind at five o'clock. And then November 1st, he showed up on the other side of the clear cut, that morning picture, 6.46 a.m., probably just trailing the next doe in estrus after he got off of that one. And then from there, you know, it was a downhill battle. But, I mean, and that's not uncommon for that deer. I mean, I've had that same repetition with him for three years now, you know, and so... Who knows? Like, I, I'd love to say that he made it through. If so, no doubt that deer's a Boone and Crockett deer next year. Um, but, you know, I'll be in the same damn position I'm in this year, which is how do you hunt a deer that lives in a 30-acre clear cut? It's almost impossible unless I go in there and, you know, mow down a two-acre food plot right in the middle of it. Well, how close is that food plot you have to that? Right on the edge? Right I mean, that's it. the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm on the outer edge of it I, that's how i hunted them the whole time until i finally got aggressive and just walked right in but by that time i think that's going to be the smart man. not not that the food plots are the answer to everything but like it's it's the one thing missing from that equation right now if you can come in from the opposite direction of that mm-hmm. thicket and get into something on the edge if you put like a if you put a box blind in there or something but mm-hmm. little muddy box blind. you think he's alive man i i, I at least at this point, I I really do think he's alive because um, I have to believe if somebody shot him legally, we would have heard about it. Like I know all the deer, the other big deer that I've hunted up on the mountain that have gotten shot, eventually I hear about it. Nobody's seen this deer. Nobody's talking about this deer. Could have got poached, maybe. I don't think he got shot. I don't think, I don't think he got heart- killed by a, a hunter or at least recovered. He did look like hell after the rut, so like maybe said, maybe yeah, that kills him. There's a lot of stuff that can go mm-hmm. go wrong for him. Would nothing make my uh, march a little easier than to walk up on two big two-by-fours laying there on the ground, shaking? Even, yeah, even if you, at this point if you just find just find him. Even if he's dead or I if know, you find a, yeah, some closure on that. Is, that Got, that's one of the hard parts of deer hunting, man, is there's so many unanswered questions you know as far as like if deer made it or not or if somebody killed them or if they're laying out there in the woods and sometimes you just there is no there is no closure on that (laughs) there's funny it's funny man like even this year when when i started really getting a beat on them 
And I was like, hey, you know, I, I, I think I've got this deer pretty nailed down. It's just going to be a matter of being in the right place, right time, which probably November 1st would have been the morning to kill him if it wasn't a Sunday. I would have I would have been in that stand. Um, but weirdly enough, because I have so much I, I think your problem is like you have a family and, and a career. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> it's I need keeping to, you out of the, keeping me out of the woods. Of the yeah. Keeping me out of the woods. The, the weird thing about it, though, is that I almost, I don't know, it, yeah. Maybe everybody experiences this, especially if you build history with deer. Like, I almost regretted being able to kill that deer because I had so Which much one? this this buck. Like, I had so much history with him that, like, I played over in my head, like, the opportunities that were going to come up. And, like, I really thought I was going to kill this deer. And it's like, man, like, it like does it end just like that? Like, I've spent three years trying to kill this deer. You know, three years patterning this deer. Three years trying to figure him out. You know, and like you, you eventually come to a culmination point and, and hope it's a harvest, right? You hope you shoot this deer and like, that's, you know, that's the end of it, you know, especially versus I don't really care if somebody else shoot them. I really don't want them to just die, you know, and, and nobody ever find them or nobody ever know. But there's a weird feeling there to where you've spent so much time around this deer and effort that it's like, man, I, I almost don't want it to be over. Like I want to kill this deer. That's, that's the only deer I tried to kill on the mountain this year. Mm -hmm. But I also was like, uh, like, it's fun. Like, this is why I hunt. Like, it's not, Oh, I walked out on a food plot. He showed up. I didn't know who he was and I killed him. It's like, I know this deer. I know where he's laying. Like I'm playing chess around his bedroom, trying to figure out how to kill him, you know, and, and basically outsmart, one of what I think is the smartest animals in the woods. And, but it's like, man, all that effort. And then I like, I don't really want it to end, you know, like, especially now, like, obviously I hope he shows up in July, August, which is when he normally would show up on that mineral. Like, and if like, you know, at first year I see with giant baseball bats that show up, I'm like, game on, here we go again. You know, but it's, I, I don't know if everybody feels that way, but like, I think when you start building history around deer and you really like a certain deer, I'm not talking about just like mature bucks. Like I literally you're committing yourself to a certain deer, which is tough enough. Like it's a weird feeling to where like you don't want it to end either. You want to kill them, but then uh, it's yeah. like, what's next? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of guys, um, when they, they do finally kill that buck they've been hunting for so long. Like it, it seems like a pretty common theme where these guys are like, it's bitter. It's bittersweet, sure, because they're they've achieved their goal and they, um, you know, they've been they've been trying to do that for so long. And but at the same time, the fact that that has kind of come to an end, I think, is kind of is. I don't know. It's a, is it Bill's described that, you're you know Bill it's, Bill it, Winky because yeah, he, and a lot he, of he's, times he's one of those guys that ends up killing most of these deer that he's been hunting for a long time, and, and he's out to get like this deer and right? almost double G four G five buck, you know, almost every time after it seems like, you know, he's he's grateful that it happened and that mm -hmm. it's uh, that it you know, but at the same time I think he's like it's not depression, but it's just like man, it's that deer's not there to hunt anymore. Like what what am I gonna do? Like I'm not gonna go to that stand and. Yeah. Don't see that deer anymore. Well, and not everybody will get to that level, you know, and it, it's, I don't want to describe it as a, it's kind of like a remorse, I guess, but like, you know, a lot of people go out, kill a good buck. And then, you know, next year they, whether they know the deer or not, like they're like, okay, there'll be a next man up, right? Who's that next deer that that's yeah. coming up. But if you're targeting a specific deer, like Bill, you know, think of Bill and the double G four buck, um, you know, 
he hunted that deer. He had shots at that deer. I mean, he lived, breathed. He woke up with nightmares probably from that deer. When he finally killed it, it was like, man, I remember everybody being like, this is awesome. But I, I guarantee that Bill would say, like, there's a bit of a remorse feeling because it's like, I've spent so much time invested in this specific deer. Yeah. Now what do I do? That's interesting. I think that is it's tied very tightly to hunting specific deer, like you said. Because I know I've gone out and shot some deer that <clears throat> I was aware of and mm-hmm. um, had a little bit of history. And I, I didn't really, like, when I killed, you know, the Spaniard, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know him from the year before. You know, he just showed up during the summer and, um, you know, had a few encounters with him and, um, it was awesome. I was just happy that I killed that deer and like, I never really felt that remorse. Sure. But there was other deer that, uh, and I haven't, I haven't really experienced this, I think to the, the fullest effect of like some of these deer that Bill, Bill's hunted and killed and stuff, but like goose is probably my, yeah, you know, the closest that I came and I didn't actually end up killing that deer. The neighbor did which is the only thing worse than me killing. <laughs> well, and I think <laughs> me killing, I think know? that maybe that's it too cuz I would say that the deer that I have the most like, you know, regret or like those memories never leave are deer that I didn't uh, I didn't kill. Like mm-hmm. I I chased them. Mm-hmm. I I played the game. I was in the game for a full season or multiple seasons. You know, like even the deer over your shoulder like I I knew that deer was around. But the first time I got a picture of him was me checking a non-cell camera in the stand and I killed him that night, mm-hmm. you know? And so as great as it was, I didn't have a ton of history with that deer, you know? Um, but like some of these deer, you know, and I think maybe, you know, fingers crossed he makes it through, you know, next year is a pretty boy. One of those ones where you've now played the game two yeah. years. This is the third year. At some point, that's the one where it's like, damn, like, is this going to happen or not? And then if it does happen, like, it's awesome. But it's also like, wow, like that was, there's a lot of ups and downs. Two years ago, there was a lot of ups. I mean, there was downs in it, but you saw them, you were in the game, you had chances. You know, now you look at this last year, you came in with like hopes through the roof. And man, like every day I felt like it was just beating you down, beating you down, beating you down. Cause he just wasn't, didn't seem like he was there, but he was. Yeah. Well, kind of. He, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, and it's a, it's a cool, um, that's kind of the, the journey that it seems like we're on as, as bow hunters, at least of whitetails, mm-hmm. is that, um, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not ever going to pass on a giant buck because I don't have history with him. No. But um, even with the bittersweet that comes with killing him in the end or whatever the end of the story is, like, that's that's the really cool connection that we have like to these animals. And like, that's the, I think experience that we're chasing is like these encounters that the ups and the downs. And like, ultimately, as you said, it's, it's the downs that makes the high so high when Mm -hmm. we do get to eventually kill that deer. Um, Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to, and, and listen, that's the coolest thing about bow hunting. Um, Not that I'm saying that you can't have that relationship if you're a gun hunter. It, It just, something different about bow hunting and, and, you know, playing chess and trying to get lit. Like it's one thing to be within 300 yards of that animal. It's another thing when I'm trying to get within 30 yards well, of them. Dude, and pretty boy is a great example of that. Cause like all I've really had with that deer is, well, no, not all lows, but like I, mi- I missed him. And so mm-hmm. that was a, a big, a low. that was a big low point. 
but then I've seen him again since. Mm-hmm. And then we've gotten some trail camera pictures around. And so it's been two years of history now. But And the fact that that story was led into by a wound, mm-hmm. you know, and like a story of its own mm-hmm. is like, that's probably, I've got more history with that deer. And I've only ever seen him twice on the hoof. Which is more than most people have. Than like, with any deer I'm hunting right I've, now. I've never, as much as I've tried to hunt, I've never seen that buck on the mountain in person, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Camera, you know, that's the beauty of cell cameras and trail cameras. Yeah, but, but and so all that to say, like, dude, if I, if I end up killing Pretty Boy at some point, it, it will probably be, because the history I've got at this point, the highest, mm-hmm. yeah, the highest high that I, I will have had from bow hunting, mm-hmm. I think. It's crazy. I mean, like, take this deer in front of us. Um, you know, we got that uh, Kansas lease in 2014. I'm going to freaking lose it if I kill that deer. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, man. We're going to find a sheds in 20 days. I hope so. That would be so cool. I'll bet. We're going to have to forge the river. We need to get across that river. Oregon Trail style. I need to see what's over there. It's grass is greener. <laughs> but, no, take this deer. So, 2014, right, we get this lease. We one of the first deer, one of the first bucks we see is is wide boy, right? And at that time, deer was ancient. I don't know, five six years old, probably 150 inch ten point. You know, um, that year is the year I killed white whale. But I had seen this deer in person twice that year, right? Fast forward, I don't see that deer in the 2015 season. I don't see this deer in the 2016 season. And I finally see him in the 2017 season when I put uh, put one in his shoulder. You know, I had pictures of that deer, um, you know, but never two two full years of, of hunting him hard, never laying eyes on him. You know, and it's just like, it's crazy to think, like when you dedicate yourself to these deer, you know, in a specific deer especially, it's not easy. Like people think, oh, you're going to focus on this deer. Like that's really going to help your targeted instinct and you're going to get on them and stuff. It's like, no, like you're better off like, hey, I'm going to kill anything that's three and older, yeah. you know, because uh, hunting a specific deer is is grueling and it, it takes a lot out of you. It's almost worth questioning if it's worth it. In, in, it is. In some cases, sure. um, there are definitely places like in Kansas and um, where it's very, it's, it's doable. It, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Obviously I've been hunting this deer for two, three years now at this point, but, but there were other bucks in there that we thought like if they came by, you probably would have well, shot. And there's other places like, man, on, on my farm in Ohio, I'm even starting to question like cer- definitely for weeks at a time, if not months at a time, I'll focus on a specific deer. But from year to year, I think that's getting harder and harder to do because they just, they all die. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's hard I can to build e- history. With I can either just dead. sit here. Exactly. <laughs> I can either sit here and just be depressed about it or, yeah. you know, I can kind of change the way that I think about it. And so while it may not be realistic, um, to, to, to try to hunt a specific deer, obviously if he's there, yeah, go after yeah, him. we're going to build that history. But if not, I might as well keep my expectations in check and just try to kill a mature buck. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's hard enough. Yeah. Versus <laughs> Kansas, you're going to go into that, that bottom and, if he's alive, right, that's the deer you're in there to well, that's kill. That's the beauty of, man, the Midwest and just big tracts of land is, like, the likelihood of those deer living from year to year and you having the ability to build history with them and ultimately be the one who closes the book on it is, is much better. Well, and that's why, you know, there were there were plenty of other bucks on the mountain 
this year and even last year, but like, you know, that was the only deer I really wanted to kill. There were other deer that, you know, given the opportunity, I probably would have shot, but I didn't hunt them. Like I hunted that deer. And if it just so happened, one of these other deer came by, then maybe I would have killed them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I only hunted that buck and it's not because like, I think I'm, you know, too good for the other deer or something. It's just, that was the one, like I've had, I've got history with this deer. Like I'm well, invested he was in a standout deer. too. I mean, he was by far and away the best buck. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's always ones like that. Like, you know, I killed, um, so we bought our place in Kentucky, right? Mountainous area, you know, what, not what you would think for like big bucks, but, um, the County doesn't allow any doe kills basically, um, with a gun. So the pressure, everybody's left. Nobody hunts there anymore. Pressure's down. Um, and so when we bought that place in 2019, I think it was in early October, we were running cameras and stuff and got like a stud, you know, probably four-year-old, 155-inch deer, you know, and and probably 130-inch four-year-old eight-point. And then eventually there was probably like a 150s nine that was in there. You know, but there were some big deer and – you know, it was kind of weird because I was uh, first year I'm trying to manage expectations and, you know, I didn't really have any patterns. I didn't know the property yet, like still learning that stuff. So, I mean, there were, there was a, like, I wanted to kill the biggest buck. Like that's the one I, I truly, but ultimately, like if I looked at my history of data from my cameras and how I was seeing these deer, it was very clear. Like I wasn't going to kill that deer. Like he, he just never, he wasn't there anywhere close to daylight hours ever throughout the whole season. And so I basically said, well, here's the deer that is showing up. It was this big eight point. Like that's the one I'm going to try to harvest. And I en ended up killing a completely different deer that was probably five or six years old, just an old mountain eight point during the opening day of gun season in Kentucky. You know, and I hadn't seen, I had one picture of that deer randomly on a trail in June, just like partially grown out, but just the mass and the way his antlers were, I knew who he was. And so it, it is kind of like your property. Like there are certain places and certain experiences where it's like, that's the buck I'm going after. And, and you realize that it's feasible to try to hunt that deer in particular. But I think if we look across the board at most of our hunting experience, it's not, it's just like, Hey, here's the three bucks that I'm trying to kill. And I don't know if that makes us better at hunting because we have more deer that we're willing to harvest or if you say, this is the only deer I'm hunting. And Makes you, it easier, sure. Well, does it? Because, I mean, if I know that I'm hunting only a specific deer, I'm hunting in an area or a core area of just that deer versus, you know, three mature bucks are going to be covering a lot of ground. You know, so if I say, hey, I'll kill any of these three deer, do you get a little bit loose in your strategies? Do you, do you, you know, that's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out here because I could argue it either way to where, like, this year in Kansas – you know, I went down on that flat and you and I had the discussion that morning. I'm like, dude, I don't really know where the hell I'm going to sit. Like yeah. I might as well get on there. There's, there's oaks, there's acorns, and there's probably some bucks down there. Killed that buck. Well, it wasn't like I was specifically after him. I was just in a spot that I knew multiple mature bucks would likely cross through at some point. Yeah. So I think that there's, there's big strategies either way. Like, yes, if you're willing to kill multiple deer, there's more chances, more deer chances for you to harvest but I think your strategy is, is very loose. You're not focused on a specific area and learning that area and understanding the movements of that area. Cause you're just like, well, I could hit, sit here, 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 and here. And those deer may all come through there at some point. That's fair. I think it's also possible for those things to overlap. You know, I think, they do. I think, um, even within the same day, like in the morning, 
Um, I yeah. might say, well, I'm going to hunt the spot, and I know there's any one of these three bucks, I would shoot them. But in the evening, hey, I know this buck does this, and I really want to kill this buck. I've got this history with this buck, so you can hunt a specific buck in the evening. What do you like hunting more, mornings or evenings? <laughs> I Think don't about it. Do you have just, just one? It like- depends on probably the, the time of year. Mm-hmm. I think that um, in the early season, I obviously like the evenings better. Yeah. In the pre-rut and rut, I like the mornings better. If you think about the deer that you've harvested, because I was thinking, I was thinking of this the other day when we we're talking about, hey, like what what topic, and maybe this is a whole different podcast at some point. But I was trying to think about like, you know, when have I killed, regardless of time of year, I guess, um, you know, when have I killed most of my deer? Has it been mornings or, or evenings, you know, and, and I would say that I'm probably, although some of my bigger deer, that deer, white whale, were killed in the evenings, um, I probably have killed more bucks in the morning than I have in the evening. I have. Well, I think it's a pretty even split for me. Mm-hmm. But man, the one that really threw the is is Pretty Boy. The fact that I shot that deer one o'clock at one o'clock was just so so bizarre to yeah. me. And like it's it, yeah, it's kind of throwing a wrench in my strategy down there. Just as far as like as a morning or evening spot, it's like I can't leave the spot. Like I have to sit in it all day. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people say that, right? I mean, it, it, you you talk to the old timers <laughs> and some of these dedicated bow hunters, and they'll say, "Yeah, I kill most of my deer between ten and two. And I'm like, I pretty much, I think I've killed one, one buck between ten and two, and that was that three year old I killed in Kansas off the ground a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I was leaving my tree stand. That's why I was on the ground. But I don't, I don't think I've ever had a big buck experience between ten and two. Is that because I don't sit in the tree stand all day? A big buck experience. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever sat all day? Uh, yeah, a couple <laughs> times. A couple times. I want. I want to go. Back. I'm very impatient. I, I can't go do back it. To, um, like uh, the hunting specific deer and um, like the history and stuff. I think mm-hmm. one cool thing that we've started to do is like as those things kind of wrap up and. Um, one way to avoid a long-term bittersweet relationship with like bow hunting in general or just a deer that you killed or got killed is like to start planting seeds. Yeah, um, and for sure. And so all these things that we're doing now this time of year, I think are kind of like, that's what we're, we're doing. planting seeds, whether we're yep. shed, shed hunting or starting to put in for points in different States or walking new ground. Yeah. Like all of that is not, it is trying to, you know, kill a deer. It's trying to get better at hunting and stuff, but it's like, really, I think we're just trying to plant the seed that will create opportunities for us down the road. Can't kill a big buck if he's not there. Yeah. I think, I think that's the one thing that you and I really have embraced over the last two or three years is the fact that, you know, um, the more opportunities we have, and I say that lightly because I don't mean like, Hey, let's get a bunch of leases and know that we're going to spend a week on each of them because that's not the case. But I think that let's the, just plant the seed. Yeah, get the an more opportunity. opportunities. Cam, and that's you know that's why you know in this past season, I, I definitely I love cell cameras. That's you know anybody that knows me knows that I probably run more than you know most people, more than most states of people. Um, but I think I live and die by my cameras too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is time, right? Like I said, I I you know jokingly, but I do. I've got family. I've got businesses. 
Um, so it, it definitely makes it a little bit hard in terms of, you know, time and effort to go out there. Cause it used to be, you know, before cell cameras, I 100% spent more time checking trail cameras than I did hunting in well, the woods. Dude, before trail cameras, nobody knew what deer they were hunting besides in states where you can spotlight. Well, and, and listen, there was, or a, if they saw them in the field, you know, that's how I grew up. And there's still a part of me that, that misses that in a weird way. Because, I grew up too. You know, I love, I love knowing what deer are there and planning a strategy around those deer. That said, there was always a really cool feeling of surprise. Like when you're like, I don't know what deer's here. Like maybe a, a booner shows up, yeah. you know, out of nowhere. I think that's one of the biggest contrasts that like my uncle Dale and I have is he is, um, that's how, that's the only way he's ever done it until yeah. recent years. I mean, he, he's open to trail cameras and like, but he always liked that element of the unknown. Yeah. I mean, that's his argument against them that I understand is he's like, For man, sure. that's not, he's like, I don't really care to know exactly what's there. And like, I don't want it to make me decide if I'm going to hunt or not. He's like, I want to go in and read the sign and be excited by seeing a big buck for the first time. And I get that, man. And I, I remember those <clears> feelings <throat> growing up, especially like, you know, growing up Pennsylvania rifle season and stuff, you know, we hunted rifle in a different place than we would hunt all archery season. And so opening day, you know, we wake up in the morning and, you know, as a kid, you know, even in high school, I'd be thinking about, man, like, you know, what's going to show up? Like, I know I'm going to see deer, like what bucks are in this area? Yeah. And there was an excitement about that. And I won't say that that lost because now I'm very focused on specific deer, you know, to hunt and, and hopefully know that I'm in the area. You know, in fact, some of the deer, like that deer over your shoulder, you know, he showed up with two other bucks that I had had on camera hitting the scrape that I was essentially in between. So when I saw those two deer come off the hillside, I'm like, man, I'm in it. Like he could be here and damned if that deer didn't pop out right behind him. Yeah. And so like, it was just kind of, it wasn't, it was surprise, but it wasn't surprise. And so, yeah. And, and I know my dad's like that. It's he funny, loves it's seeing funny how the mindset around um, specific deer differs between these two classifications of hunters, like, uh, age groups, like yeah. experience, like my, my uncle and, um, some of these other guys that have grown up, like just reading sign and, and trying to kill a big deer that has big antlers or whether they're hunting mature deer is kind of a recent thing i think for sure like within the it past was just a big antler within thing. the past 10 years guys have really started promoting the fact of killing mature deer so back then it was just big set of antlers who mm -hmm. can who can kill the big deer and uh it's weird how those guys really struggle to identify specific deer even when they see them and my, my uncle is a better deer hunter than i am arguably but he really struggles to, and my dad does, and other guys that so are that age class. Like, oh, that's that. It's this just, buck. it's strange how they're just not wired mm -hmm. that way. They're like, oh, that's a big buck. I'm shooting that buck. And I'm, I, my brain is more like, oh, that's that deer. That's, You're I recognize that deer. Yeah, it is. A, it, it is a really weird thing because I see that all the time. And I mean, I catch myself doing it. Like I'll catch <clears> a glimpse <throat> of a buck and I'm like, man, that's a big buck. And then I'm like, no, nah, it's a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's, and it's, you know, you have to kind of take See, a breath and slow down. mine doesn't even go there. I, I almost don't even do that. Like, I'm so tied to that trail camera and the history and the information. You're trying to I'm not. I'm not even trying him. to guess the age. Or I'm like, who is that? Yeah. Which, I mean, arguably could be downfall. Well, then well again. Because it's just like a person. It's just like, if it's some, if you're looking for somebody you know. Yeah. It's not like you're looking at a distance. It's like, oh, is that a tall guy? Is that a short guy? Like, no, what color is his yeah. hair? I'm like, oh, that's Jim. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, man. And it, it is a weird thing how people look in and, and do those analysis, you know, internally, because I think, you know, from my side, 
I don't know. I guess I have a gut reaction of like when I see a deer, I'm like shooter or not. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm not even. I guess part of me's looking at antlers. Part of me's looking at body. Part of me's looking at who is. You know, and that's completely different than like growing up. It was just like you know, 15 years ago, you you shot a two year old eight point in Pennsylvania with a 15 inch spread, and it's like, hey, that's a big buck. It's hard. Even the shooter or not is like. I've really struggled to until I recognize the deer and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's that deer. You think that's cost you opportunities? No. No? You've had enough time to process it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever passed on a... Because I almost missed that chance on that deer, that, that monster mountain deer. Because when I saw him, I had known him from the year before at 20 inches bigger antler-wise... And when he finally got closer, I'm like, ah, that's that deer. And I'm just, I was, I'm I'm just, I haven't go. had that many encounters, I guess, but yeah, it's, eventually it's it'll tough, happen, man. I mean, it is, um, you know, there's certain deer that I've, I've seen when I saw him on the hoof, uh, white whale being one wide boy being no another, question, like as yeah. soon as I see him, I know which deer I'm sure fuzzy Wuzzy was the same for you. As soon as you saw him, you're like, well, no fuzzy Wuzzy. like I know who he is. It's Cause I know who I'm looking deer. for. Yeah. I know exactly. And even the Spaniard. So the Spaniard is a good example of not a giant deer. Like he's a, he probably scored 125, 130 he's inches. A seven point, right? Four by seven three. point. And if I didn't know that deer and just had an encounter with him, I, I might've let and that it deer happened. Walk. I was gonna say that one happened fairly quick on you too. You heard him coming up behind you, yeah. looked back and yeah, isn't that wild crazy. though? You just were like, yep. Spaniard. I knew exactly who it was. There he is. That's one of those deer that, like, I I was crazy on a specific deer, specific pattern. He was the only buck that I was gonna see, and so when I saw him, it's there's no question. It's not like is that a shooter? Is it not? It's who I'm in here to kill, and that's and so prior to that, you've already classified Spaniard from trail camera pictures as shooter. I'm gonna shoot that deer. Mm-hmm. See, and that's that's so wild because like if you think about like Kansas this year for me, it was just getting light. I saw that deer coming down through the bottom. I finally was like, oh, that's a buck. I'm like, eh, I don't know how big. <clears throat> then he got closer, and it was within 30 yards of me. Then I recognized, I'm like, oh, it's that 10, yeah. right? And now at that point, we were still thinking there was one 10, but it ended up being two different bucks that were looked fairly similar to each other. But I, regardless, both of those in my mind were classified as, yeah, shooter. Yeah. It's funny how, it just how... Yeah, guys' brains work different ways. Like I've just, I've just, I've never had trouble, or I've got like a gift to identify. De- I've looked at them enough. You're it's gifted. Really, it's really what it comes down to. I've stared at trail camera pictures of these deer for so That's long. That's what it is. That's that what when I, I see the deer, on. it's there's no difficulty. We've, we've studied the it. pictures long enough to know which deer. So obviously, those two ten points at one point in time, we we're thinking of one. Regardless, we're like, yeah, those are both shooters. We know who and those what's are. What's really cool about that is when you can start to do it from year to year. Like when I know what a deer looks like so well that when I haven't seen him for a year and he shows up with a new set of antlers and within five seconds, I'm like, that's him. That's that freaking deer from. Well, and I think that, you know, and, and it'd be interesting to hear from people on this because I would go to wager that most of the people that are killing big mature bucks consistently not just like here and there consistently know the deer that they're hunting know who's in that area know who's there which ones they're classifying as a shooter right the people that i think are good hunters and kill deer consistently but maybe not big mature bucks consistently are shooting off the cuff right when a deer comes in they're like big buck shot 
ah, three-year-old, but still big, 140 inches, but not to that next level. There is a, there is a absolute process that has to happen internally from a restriction side that says, Hey, even if I see this deer rack wise is big coming in, I'm not going to shoot him because he's not a shooter. If you're going off the cuff in the tree stand at the moment, there's no way you have enough time to process that. No way. Mm-mm. It's impossible. And well, that's why guys end up shooting 140, 150 inch three-year-olds all day long. Yeah. Big buck. Cause young, shot. younger deer. Cause it's hard to know. I mean, it did, if it, the nice two-year-old comes in and you know, he's like a two-year-old 12 point type of, which happens. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to, to know. I mean, unless you really are familiar with aging a deer on the hoof, it's a, that's a very tough call to make. I mean, then Kansas, this buck that's back behind me that they can't see right now, you know, I killed, um, 2018, 2018 off the ground. It was coming out of a stand. I had, that was the year I had a ton of bucks around me, but I had four or five definitive shooters I knew about. Right. Well, it makes it really tough when there's a, especially when there's a bunch of bucks. There's a bunch of especially bucks. Especially when there's some that kind of looks similar. He looked yeah. like it. And I was I've on, had years on my farm where I've had four or five eight points that all look the same. A yeah. couple of them were three, a couple of them were four. It's like, yeah, know. I'm on ground level. I see this deer working a scrape. You know, I call at him. He postures up, snort wheezes. Like everything in my brain is processing. Like that's this deer and it's a mature deer, you know, and I'm the kind of guy that it, at that point, I make a decision. I'm going to shoot this deer. I don't even look at him anymore. Like I'm just focusing on making the shot and killing this deer, mm-hmm. you know. And ultimately, I do. I kill this deer. Right? Turns out to be a, <clears throat> a three year old, 145 inch, 12 point. You know, that what really it, is. Yeah, I thought it was 150 something. No, the the one. Yeah, I know closer, who you're talking about. And you know, 145. No way. Yeah. We'll put a tape on him here after the podcast. I think he's more than that. Mm-hmm. He's missing a brow too. Is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a big deer. I mean, yeah, I, he probably would have been a hundred, close to one hundred fifty with his brow. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because that's those are the ones that'll trip you up because that's a big. Yeah, well, big I remember. Frame. I remember coming back, and uh, that was the year you you didn't get drawn. Mm-hmm. Came back to my dad and Steve, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I just shot a big buck. Like pulled the arrow. I'm like, I don't know where I hit him. I was on the ground, and I'm all flustered. Well, dude, this is a good example. Even this deer you shot this year, like. And uh, there's nothing wrong with shooting a three. If you want to shoot a three-year-old, but like you and I know what we're, yeah. we know we're hunting. And I remember when you sent me the picture of the deer you shot this year, I was like, is that, is that the deer, really? shoot that deer yeah. you know? And yeah. like, cause I was like, oh, it kind of looked kind of young. I don't know. And then we got it out of there. It's like, oh, that, yeah, that's a giant. Like that's a yeah. big buck. Like it's, a, and yeah. who knows, maybe that's one that I wouldn't have, I would have made that mistake on because yeah. I didn't recognize the deer. It, well, and, and here's the other thing you have to look at when we're talking Kansas versus even Ohio and Pennsylvania in some cases. These things are horses, man. Yeah. These deer are, are mega 275 plus on the hoof. You know, so when like that buck, you know, I remember holding the antlers. Well, I remember scoring them. And, you know, I was like, hey, what's that total, Jared? You're like 157. I'm like, no, because I thought he was 150. Yeah. I'm like, no, no way. You take those antlers off of the body and you're like, Holy shit, like these are big. Yeah. Well, that happened to me happened to me on both of those deer this year, man. All every deer, you know what? Every deer that Your dad's was Corey's. shot this year that I was a part of, I was kind of like initially like, cool. And then as we're walking up to him, I'm like, dude, dude. <laughs> every one of them. Yeah. Constantly every one under. of them. Yeah. yeah. I've just which I guess is better than the other way around. You know, I'd rather be well, I mean, yeah, pleasantly surprised to see that your the dad's was bigger w- than I thought. Your dad's was 150 inches, 
you and I had the conversation. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm a let dad take that one. I'm not even, I don't even, even hunt him. And then he kills him. I'm like, how big was he? You're like 150. I'm like, mm. <laughs> what do yeah. you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the thing. And it even stuff. And that's Hair. in the case. I mean, we're studying these deer, right? We're looking at them. We've got tens and hundreds of pictures of these deer and like you still can't make it. So you can't tell me that as a bow hunter, you're sitting in a draw in Kansas and a, and a big rack starts running at you in an area that you don't know and you have enough time to process it and be like, yeah, that's only a three-year-old that's 150. I'm not going to kill him. Bullshit. Yeah, right. That deer's coming at you full steam through that draw. You've made a decision the moment you see him if you're going to kill him or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it's crazy because I'll see people kill big bucks. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. And And no offense to these people, but it's pure dumb luck. Right. I'm like, no, no, no. You didn't, you didn't set out to hunt that deer. You didn't just hunt that deer. You didn't commit to passing these other deer. Right. You just happened to have that deer come by first and you killed that deer. Yeah. Um, that's a different game than the people who are out there consistently. And I'm not just saying even big antler, just consistent, mature deer, because you're setting yourself up for an expectation of where I'm going to pass on anything that's not these deer. Right. And I'm going to stick to it. And that's hard, especially as the season grinds down, man, you're sitting in late November and a, a good three-year-old comes by and you're sitting in a tree stand. Like that's a tough thing to be like, yeah, I'm just going to let him go. You know, he'll look better next year. There's not many people that have that kind of restraint. You know, I know I fight it and hell, there's probably days in, that I'll just be like, yeah, I'm going to kill that deer. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest arguments for trail cameras is um, just the ability to get to study those deer beforehand. And to kind of know what's there mm-hmm. and uh, not have to make those tough decisions or, or you know, make those mistakes uh, when the opportunity comes up. I'm sending you in this video of, tell you what, I'm going to hit the restroom really quickly. You okay. want to just, I'm going to send you in this video. I do want to watch, um, th- this is a good example of. Uh, Which deer is this? This is us walking up on dad's, dad's buck from this past year that was bigger than we thought. Oh, yeah. When I recovered it, so. Give me just a minute. Okay, pause out. And we're back. That's much better. Uh, Ian's got that coming up. Um, it's not loaded yet. It, one of the things I was going to say on, on that side, too, that, that kind of has me, uh, I guess, question before we get into this is, you know, what do you think you're most excited for here moving into 2021, you know, in terms of properties and or deer? I feel so much better. Uh, man, I am I'm really excited about Illinois. Mm-hmm. Because it's been a couple of years since I've hunted Illinois. Only did it one other time, and With it was kind of a bust. The Cattlegate scandal. Where I let all the cows out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. didn't yeah. see any deer either. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited to get out to Illinois mm-hmm. um, on this new this new farm. Two farms. Two farms. Yeah. They're not farms. They're just yep. Two eighty acre pieces, but they all they both bump up to large yeah. public tracks. Yep, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm excited to continue the journey with. Um, with Pretty Boy in Kansas. Yep. I think and, you're already uh, committing to that again. Yeah. Well, we're going to be there in like 20 days. Yeah. Cruising that bottom. You know, the other. I'll probably p- just sit that spot for the rest of my life. Not that like you shouldn't focus on Pretty Boy after this whole discussion of what buck to focus on, but that other 10 or 12 point that's down there, that real heavy dude, is going to be a monster. Oh, I'd absolutely shoot him. Monster. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a good uh, like overlapping part of building history with these deer. Is it's not that I wouldn't shoot another mature buck. Yeah. There are some guys that won't. There are some guys that will pass on it, but mm. 
Anyways, yeah, I would shoot. Yeah, that. I'll challenge. I'd shoot that bus. So for sure. yeah, uh, and I'm really excited about another mule deer hunt. Just because we had so oh. we had so much fun with that last year. Whether it put I, us off on the right foot for sure. Hopefully, we can go back to North Dakota. But even if that's not in the chips for us, you know, hopefully we can make it happen somewhere. Yeah, figure it out. I think that uh, I mean Kansas is always. I just enjoy deer camp and stuff, and we've uh, you know. I feel like every year we come out of Kansas and, you know, close of the season. Hope, this will be the first time we get to shed hot out there in, what, two years? Mm-hmm. We didn't go last year because of coronavirus. And I think the year before it was business and stuff. I don't think we went out. We didn't go the year before either. No, it's been two years. Dude, we suck. I know. <laughs> um, and so, like, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm real excited about getting back out and, and walking that. Um, Are you sure we didn't go the year before? Positive. Yeah. It's been 2018 was last year. It was last year. Um, the other thing that I think I'm... we got to get our priorities right here. <laughs> I know. I think I'm excited about um, our opportunity with the new Ohio place as well. Yeah, Because it's within, you know, an hour and 10 minutes. 200-inch deer killed off of it or, you know, right next to it last year. Yeah, not far from your farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that because, you know, that's probably, besides like anything we have around here, that's going to be the home body farm, right? Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the one we probably will hunt the most um, throughout the year. Yeah. Um, well, that'll be that'll be cool for us, man, because I've always, oh, you know, Ohio has been my my farm is out there. So it's my spot. You typically hang around home, so yep. I think it's a good opportunity for us to get to spend hunt some more. time hunting together yep. more. I got pops his uh, Ohio tag as well. Sick. Is this thing on already? Yeah, it just opened up. I guess it did. It's an it's annual thing, huh? I guess it did. Is this thing on? Yeah, so this is, this is my dad's buck that I didn't even bother to hunt, and it's not because bother to hunt. Um, either way, this ended up being a great deer, and either you'll way, see bigger than I thought. There you go. <laughs> yeah, dang near same spot. Oh, it's a good buck. Have man. you seen this? It's a big beam. Check that dude out. Oh, it's a good buck, Dad. Real good buck. Real good buck. Look at him. Yeah. He's just getting bigger and bigger. Dude. Yeah. We're holding up there. I'm filming you here. Oh, yeah, hit him right in the center. Yeah. What's it, a little back? I said a little back. That's liver. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> I wish he had more going on up here. Right? Oh, whatever. Oh, he's got that big off Oh, yeah. Jeez. What a beautiful deer. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> and you can, like, isn't it crazy? Like, again, had a ton of pictures of that deer, and, like, the the closer you get, the closer you get, the closer you get, and you're like, damn, this is a big buck. Yeah. Well, if you can hear it in my voice there. That's exactly what happened. Gotta love that, More man. More so with this one than either of the other two, but on the other two, I was also like, yeah, the thing is, bigger, I'm not giving these deer the credit that they're due probably while they're on the hook. Man, I don't know. I and I, maybe that's a downfall of mine. Like, it, there's been a few bucks in my life that I've killed that, like, when I walked up, I was truly like, 
damn, this is a big deer. You know, one was probably the first big buck that I killed in Kansas. That deer, For yeah, sure. we were nuts over that deer because I, I, I didn't have enough pictures. I just knew he was big. You know, white whale, I mean, that's the first time I laid hands on a 170-plus-inch deer that I killed. You know, but a lot of the bucks, like even the buck this year, when I got up to him, I'm like, man, this is a great buck. But then, like, you know, again, it, and maybe it's the body size that's throwing me off. But, like, you know, once I, like, really study those deer, I'm like, Jesus, this is a heck of it. Like, this is one of my top three or four bucks that I've ever killed in my mm-hmm. life. Um, you know, and you and I had looked at pictures of this deer several times coming through the corn and we're like, yeah, that's a great deer. And, you know, Midwood and 40s probably. Um, Not even, dude. I was thinking like maybe 140. <laughs> I was like, I was probably, I was like mid high 130. And he's a horse. I mean, the the body on that deer is, is big. Yeah. You know, which is assuming what, what we're, it we're just all around, on. all around bigger than I thought. And that's a for sure four year old buck. It's crazy, man. And that's, which was cool. That was one of the other reasons I was excited for dad is like, he, and this is tied to, what we were saying earlier is like he struggles, I think, to identify specific mm-hmm. deer. He's kind of a yeah, shooter or not. And this is not the first, but the first for sure four-year-old that he w- knew went in to kill and, and did kill. So it was, this was probably his most like successful mission to kill a buck that was successful. You know, was successful. Remember when he killed that two-year-old giant double drop time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's typically been the story. Is I have one deer not to shoot, and that's the one he shoots. Um, <laughs> but so this this is why that that was such a, a win. That's cool. Well, he also spends a ton of time on that property and does a lot for that farm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it, it'll be interesting. I, I think that you know I'm excited about where we're at. Um, you know, come a couple of things that we'll probably talk about here in the next couple of weeks on the podcast is obviously our, our trip to Kansas coming up in Illinois, review what we're finding there. Hopefully this table's like mounted with sheds or something. How are we going to do a podcast um, that week? We're leaving. Maybe we'll do one on site. Which site? Probably. Well, we'll probably do it like the hotel uh, Friday night or something. That'd be cool. Yep. So on the road. Yeah. I think Ian on the 25th. Fourth. We're, we're leaving on the 20... The night of the 24th, yeah. we're flying out to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And we're going to shed hunt this new place. New Illinois place. In Illinois on the 25th. And then we're going to get in the truck and drive to, to Kansas, Kansas that night. Mm-hmm. And then we'll shed hunt Kansas that Friday and Saturday. Yep. And then we'll fly home from Kansas Saturday. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably do... Yeah, we'll probably have a podcast live from the... You know, we'll just take the Mevo or something. I think we'll have two before then. Yep, we got a couple before then coming up. Um, yeah, we've got some cool things to still talk about. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, obviously I killed a couple of bucks this year, so it was really good. But, you know, I spent a lot of time with the boys this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was a journey in itself. You know, both of them basically being their first his, real hunting season. It's not like the boys. The boys, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and the boys. Me and the boys out hunting. Uh, shooting those bull techs out to a hundred yards. Um, no. So, you know, I, I spent a lot. Eventually they will be the boys. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with them this year and, and obviously both of them got their first year. So that was, that was kind of a, you know, check off the success on that side. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll talk about that here coming up. Um, the other thing that we've got to look forward to is, you know, we're, we're on the brink of food plot season already, Mm. you know, spring plots and, and even planning our summer plots. So, yeah, you know, we've got some discussions around that side um, to talk about. I'm I'm planning at least this weekend to get the chainsaw out and cut some stuff. You know, right. I mean, it's been snowy and deep snow and and not conducive to that. So, 
you know, the hope is to get out on some of these places. I'll be in Kentucky this weekend. Um, so maybe at the cabin, just going in and picking up a couple bedding areas and stuff like that. Uh, we had a big ice storm down there. So I got to see what, what damage has been done anyways. But um, yeah, it, it, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. That's, you know, if I have to look at a bright side of March, you know, it's the fact that we're on our way to, to the new season at this point. Um, there'd be nothing better than in a couple of weeks to go to Illinois, find like a just true like stud of a four-year-old set of sheds and do the same in, in Kansas with some of the bucks that we know are out there, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to, to come back and be like, all right, man, game on. Like we've got our, we've got our beads on these couple bucks right away. You know, it's just a matter of planning and, yeah, and executing. Just, just give us a taste or something to, uh, you know, see what their property is like. Even if I'm just dating, like, dude, I know what I'll do is we'll get out there and we'll come across a spot and it's like, oh, dude, this is the spot. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's a shed, we'll find something to cling on to that's like, man, I can't wait for mm-hmm. for that, you know, to, to kind of come to fruition when it's time to time to go hunt. I think the one big thing, too, to end with is um, we got a few new partners on board. Um, so, obviously, Deer Grow has been on board for a long time with us as a, as a brand with Hunter, as is Victory, um, doing some arrow stuff with us. But... You know, we've got Muddy, Hawk, Stealth Cam, Walker's Game Ears, Hunter Specialties, and Boss Buck. Now have all come on board for for partners for us and, you know, products that we've used for a long time, uh, relationships that we've had on the Stone Road side for a long time. You know, I know um, Chris Duncan's probably going to come and, and hunt with us this fall, which will be really cool. You know, we've already talked about our strategy in Kentucky, getting some of these 600-pound feeders, and yeah. Boss Buck's got them, yeah. uh, as well as adding the spin feeder and solar panel on those things. Like, those are the kind of things that instantly, like, you know, at this time of year, we're starting to think about how we're going to set these properties up for success, even if it is six months in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, happy to have those guys on board and excited to, to be tying them in a little more. We've been sitting in the muddy chairs since day one, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at here, you know, um, looking forward to, to kind of getting out and putting some feet on the ground. Maybe I'll find a shed this weekend. Maybe. Dude, shed, uh, Weston's killing. How does I know. Weston have more time to shed? Listen, than we we're going to have this uh, employer-employee talk here that, at some point. That doesn't make any sense. The fact that this guy's shed hunting more than me and I'm his boss, I don't understand that at all. I haven't even like, looked at the woods in about a month and a half. Like, I don't know how You know what? I, I really think that it's probably just Jessica. It is killing me. Jessica's though. going Still downstairs finding sheds and just throwing them out in the yard, and he's just like walking out and picking them up. He's like, oh, my God, did you see this? And she's like, oh, good job, honey. Good thing you'd have to make it out of the yard to find that. Yeah, he's like, then get back inside. But, no, I am. I'm going to hike in a couple areas uh some public areas actually that that border my property and you know see if i can't you, should, you know find you the needle over haystack. and walk that little uh at the bottom at the lease oh i'm going to and i'm gonna pop over to the uh the lake border the daniel Boone national forest that bumps up along the lake where i saw some yep. giant buck tracks so dude that's gonna be a lot of work getting those heaters in there <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to it though hopefully we can get those get the z-bikes in there and yeah a lot of work to do this year. I'm Go excited for some of it to get started. Yeah. Well, hey, we uh, appreciate everybody listening to this week's Hunter podcast. Um, new episode will be back up on Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, definitely check this one out, and uh, we'll see you next week. It's Later. taking me. Oh.